1 Kings 19 is the reading today. You follow along in your pew Bible. The word of the Lord. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your servants to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. Put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. 
Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reverend Keith Manus is a pastor in the CRC. His, his last charge was East Saugatuck, Michigan. That's just west of Grand Rapids. He'd been a pastor for 30 years, and he had served thankfully and happily for 30 years. But on Sunday, October 11, 2019, or 2020? Yeah, right, 2020. Reverend Manus gave his last sermon. He had submitted his resignation from the ministry and walked away. The last three years of his ministry in East Saugatuck were uh, very, very difficult because of the poisoned political environment in those years in the previous administration in the United States. The environment of the fellowship was breaking down. People were divided between different persuasions, and the COVID pandemic didn't help. They're very arguing about vaccines and masks and try as much as he could. Reverend Manus could not be heard from, for his preaching. He tried to bring the congregation to stay inside the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he was not heard. Reverend Manus felt gutted. It was as if the church and nearby churches had abandoned their role of the bringing of good news. Reverend Manus understood the role of the church to be the conscience of the nation. The conscience of the nation. And now it seemed that Reverend Manus had been reduced to being the conscience of the church. And his decision to resign came with great regret, great pain, and great sorrow. And as the Chicago Tribune and New York Times related the story, came with a great deal of tears. He was aware that the church that he loved and was serving was marching to a different drummer, and he could not bear to be a part of it. Well, Elijah, or Reverend Manus, was not the only one servant of God who had walked away from his calling, and he won't be the last. He has a much older, much, much older forebear in the Old Testament prophet Elijah, a comrade in harness. His name is Elijah. And his name, translated from the Hebrew, means, My God is Jehovah. His name is his mantra. His name invites a challenge. You meet somebody who says, my God is Jehovah, implying a challenge. Who's your God? And uh, he was a man just like us, but he was on fire for the Lord. He was called by God to be a prophet prophet. 
to be the, uh, the conscience of the nation of Israel during a time of great apostasy under Ahab and Jezebel and the, the worship of Baal. And he was holding Israel's feet to the fire, and I picture him as a, a firebrand. He had a Dutch face, always looked angry. And uh, he was one who spoke the word with fire and conviction, holding Israel's feet to the fire. And Ahab called him the troubler of Israel. And of course, anyone who challenges you for your religious and moral conduct is going to be a troubler. Your conscience will be troubled. Scripture says of Elijah that he would be the one to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the one who was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, meaning wanting to pass on a spiritual legacy, but it was breaking down. And this troubler of Israel had a confrontation. Confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Well, Elijah would be remembered as this great prophet of, of Israel of old. He is honored and revered in the Mount of Transfiguration story where Jesus appears with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses is the representative of the law, and Elijah is representative of the prophets. And with Jesus there, the law, the prophets, and grace and good news these founding fathers of the relationship of God's people to God himself. Well, Elijah came off a very difficult moment. The hour of decision. Where are we here? <clears throat> Elijah came to a moment of decision. He confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And the whole challenge was that the prophets of Baal had to be challenged along with the, the, the worship of God. And they had sacrifices prepared. And whoever lit the sacrifice with unaided human aid uh, was considered to be the God whom Israel would serve. And when Baal went first, he was invited to do his thing by the prophets of Baal, but there was no fire, there was no thunder, there was no lightning, nothing happened. Of course, the clowns of Baal could not uh, bring it to pass, and then Jehovah takes his turn, and fire falls down on the water-soaked sacrifice of wood, and the stones all consumed, a complete and dramatic display of the power of God. And all the people shouted out loud, we will serve the Lord. Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. And I can imagine Elijah exhausted, but still brimming with hope. Finally, hallelujah, there's going to be a revival. God's people have had their hearts turned. They're going to go back to Jehovah. What? We don't know how long it took, but it seemed like they... Revival wasn't very genuine. The bars stayed open. The prostitutes still walked the streets. The casino stayed open. The altars to Baal were still left up. And Jezebel, the queen, sent Elijah a message. I am going to put a bounty on your head, and may God 
that God's deal so severely with me if I don't make you dead like the prophets of Baal you killed. And Elijah, a human being just like us, panicked, disillusioned, exhausted, broken. What's the point? Revival isn't happening. Nothing is coming. No one's come to my defense. It's as if Baal has come back from the dead with a vengeance. And Elijah did what servants of God often struggle with. I'm quitting. What's the point? I'm not getting anywhere. I just want my life to an end. So, the relationship of God and God's people was breaking down. The divorce was imminent. And where do you go when your relationship comes to an end? When your relationship unravels, where do you go? And for Elijah, you go to where it began. You go to where it was first inaugurated. You go to where God married his people and made his promises to them and they made their promises to him. Mount Horeb. Known in the Bible also as Mount Sinai. The journey, 40 days, 40 nights, echoing the time of Moses on that mountain, 40 days and 40 nights. <clears throat> and this is the mountain where God swore a covenant with the people. Here is where God married his folks, reminding them of their history, coming out of Egypt, sacrificing, uh, <clears throat> sacrificing, uh, uh, the, the, the people of Egypt so that these, the Israelites could go, f go free. He carried them out on eagle's wings. He gave them a grand vision of a life together. God and his people, his treasured possession. And offering them a breathtaking vision of what they could become. A kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. They were to be God's people. And what was the people's response to God's call to love and serve him? We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will do everything that you have asked of us. We are yours. We are your people. And uh, Jehovah is our God. And here on God's holy mountain, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, where it all began, it's beginning to look as if it's all coming to an end. Elijah had come here to die. The conscience of the nation was burnt out. Done. Elijah takes refuge in a cave. Elijah takes refuge in a cave. And he's waiting. Waiting for what? Well, this is God's holy mountain. And God discovers the prophet has... God discovers his prophet there. And God has a way of asking questions which bring out a confession. You know, the kinds of questions that God would ask of Adam and pulls out a confession. Adam, where are you? And of Cain, where's your brother? And of Jonah, have you a right to be angry? And here, now, Elijah, why are you here, the, word, the emphasis on that word here, 
Why are you here, Elijah? So far from where you are supposed to serve. Why are you here? And then the floodgate opens up and Elijah just pours out the pain in his heart and his lament. I've been zealous for you. The covenant has that I've been struggling to preserve uh, is breaking down. I've been rejected. Your, your covenant has been rejected. The people are killing your prophets. They're coming after me. They've broken down your worship centers. Your altars have been broken down. And the, the altars of Baal are left up. And now they're coming after me. They've killed the prophets. And I'm the only one left. It's, I'm the last man standing. And at the risk of reading into the text... At the risk of reading into the text, Elijah isn't telling God something God didn't already know. Behind Elijah's lament lies this deep, deep anxiety. When a relationship is unraveling, when it's breaking down, and you feel like quitting and walking away, you go to where it started. And you have to ask the other party, are you still in? Are you quitting? Lord, your people have given up on you. Are you giving up on your people? That is what I'm reading behind the lines of Elijah's lament. Here is absolute Refusal to honor the Lord. Rejection. Is God going to stay with his people? And then comes this command to Elijah from the Lord. Stand on outside and pay attention. This is the mountain of God. Where the covenant was first sworn. Where God promised his people that he would be their God and take care of them. And the, the same natural uh, phenomenon that occurred when that first covenant was made is repeated. There was a fire, there was a wind, and an earthquake. All reminders of what happened when Moses struck the covenant. And then came the voice. But now, a still small voice. It's an interesting word, the still, small voice. It's the same word used in the Song of Songs when a husband and wife have conversation on their pillow. I'm going to ask for a show of hands how many do that kind of talking. <laughs> you know, the, the sweet things you say into each other's ear. Pillow talk. It's that soft uh, tone of voice. And interestingly enough, if someone speaks to you in a whisper, you respond in kind with a whisper. The whisper lowers the temperature, lowers the emotion. God speaks when the heart is quiet. 
at 4 a.m. in the morning, the whisper comes in the quiet of the night when you can hear your heartbeat. As a pastor, I can identify with Elijah's lament. In ministry, frankly, it's very difficult to see progress. If I was building houses or laying brick or fixing cars, you can measure progress. But when you are asking people to make progress in their righteous living and in their conduct and in their enthusiasm for the things of God and for bringing the good news into other people's lives, it's hard to measure success. Hard to see progress. We were at a pastor's retreat some time ago, and we had a time of sharing of struggles in ministry. And a young pastor stood up, and I could just see on his face that he was just struggling to control himself. And he says, I am so full of bile, vinegar. The people that I'm serving are so... Uh, mean-spirited and quarreling over minor issues. They're not motivated. They're hungry for this world's toys. And you could just hear it that he was broken and hurting and wondering, is it worth it? Is God still with the program and I can imagine God listening to his hurting Elijah. <clears throat> and I don't think he responded right away. I think he waited and let the word sink. And he acknowledged Elijah's despair. And then comes the reply. Six words. Six words. Go back. Been tough to hear. Go back. You don't belong here. Go back. Go back the way you came. Don't run from what I've called you to do. Go back and put others to work. Your job as a prophet is to anoint. So anoint Hazael, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha. And these are divine appointments when you anoint somebody. They become God's servants. And you integrate others into the work of God. You're not alone. They will take action and I want you to know that there are 7,000 who have not bent the knee to Baal and have not kissed him. This is not Sodom and Gomorrah with less than 10. 7,000. That's a nice round figure, but it's the Bible's way of saying there's countless others out there and you have not seen them. They will do as well. And so, the word 
of the Lord comes to us. This is where it all began. For us, this is the mountain of God, Golgotha. And the whisper comes to God's people. Why are you here today? Why are you here this morning? If you claim, if you claim Jehovah as your God, your name is Elijah. Your name is Elijah. My God is Jehovah. Yeah, I, I'll say that. And so my middle name is Elijah. And in your calling as a child of God, you know it's difficult. You know what Elijah's going through. It's very difficult to be a child of God in today's world in this pandemic time. In this pandemic time when your relationships are stretched and stressed and you have conditions at home which just suck the life out of you and the energy is so, so burnt out and you have financial hardships <coughs> there's death of a loved one perhaps so there's a, a recent cancer diagnosis or there's a, an alcohol addiction you're working with and there seems to be no end in sight and you don't know if it's worth going on you want to say, I'm walking away. My prayers aren't answered. Every day it's the same. And you're not valued, and nor are you acknowledged for what you do. And when your relationship is frazzled and it's empty of joy and peace, where do you go? You go to Golgotha. You go to Golgotha. World War II theologian Karl Barth during the middle of the war, World War II, he wrote that people come to church with one question, one question in mind. Is it true that God can be trusted? And so it is incumbent on the pastor-preacher to give answers to that question that God can be trusted. He will not forsake his covenant. And here, the quiet whisper comes, doing the work of the Lord is hard. This is God's whisper to you in the quiet of your heart. Here's where your faith relationship begins at the cross of Jesus, where you get the picture you retreat from the noise. You shut down the internet. Put away Instagram. Put away TikTok. Put away Facebook. Put away all the noise that is just filling your heart and your soul and your head. And ponder. And you'll hear the whisper. And here on the mountain of Golgotha, is food for the journey. Food for the journey that you are on as a child of God. Here, tokens of my life. In remembrance of me, 
I give this to you because I remember you. As much as we remember Jesus in his death and resurrection, he remembers us. This is food for the journey. So take, eat, remember, and believe. And when you walk through this valley of the shadow, when it seems hopeless, these rod and staff, they will comfort you. There's, what are there, 75, 80, 90 people here. But there are thousands, thousands who have not forsaken the love of the Lord. And when it's hard to pray and when there's no tears, then you have to sing. And the one who sings well prays twice. The heart is renewed. Join with me, will you? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know. Let's pray. Lord, we are here. Some of us are here with this real need to be reminded that you have not forsaken your people, that you are with them walking the difficult road that they have, that your promises are forever sure, that nothing will ever separate us from your love that's in Christ Jesus. We are here to be reminded, and we have in front of us the food and drink for the journey, body and blood of our Lord. We are reminded as we worship together that we are not alone in our journey, but there's more than 7,000 the world over who honor you, and there are so many others who are doing the work of the Lord, and we acknowledge their work, and so we draw strength. And so you call us, Lord, to remember and believe that we are remembered. And this is the amazing thing, Lord. You have faith in us. You have hope in us. Otherwise, you wouldn't call us to do the work that is close to your heart. And the work you call us to, you will give us strength to do it. And so we go, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, knowing that our labor is not in vain. And the good work that you began, you will bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's our note of joy. That's our note of hope. And we strengthen the weakened knees. And we are blessed. 
Thank you, Father, for keeping covenant. In the name of Jesus, amen.